uh, thank you. Uh, uh, feedback uh, slightly concerning to the same uh, international response. Uh, the you know uh, this morning, Pope's um, comment about NATO and not recognizing Russian atrocity outwardly uh, was also disappointing. You think that's going to um, shape up the international uh, mindset as well? Uh, I mean, I mm-hmm. was hoping more from. I don't, uh, and before you get that to that, I just wanted to introduce, we have a, another fellow in the room who's going to talk uh, artillery stuff and mortar stuff, since the glass had a question. Um, his name is Drake. Welcome, Drake. And Irum, sorry about that. We're just after, we'll, and we'll, we'll get back to your question. I just want to introduce him before I put the phone down. And Chase is going to uh, go after <clears throat> as well. Uh, Chase, it'll be Irum, Chase, and Drake. And Drake is, um, uh, family is, is on, is on the space a lot, and we appreciate um, their support. And, uh, and since it's been a few hours since a dad joke, what do you call a, a mortar? What is a mortarman going to his uh, live range exercise say? What does he say, Drake? What does a, what does a mortarman say when he's on his way to his live fire range? Drake? Um, the question was, uh, what does a mortar say when he's on his way to a live fire range? Yeah, he says, he says totally tubular. Dude. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop. So, <laughs> that was a good no. You know, yeah. No, no, <laughs> I understood that. No, I understand. So, I understand it too, and it's it's honestly pretty great. I haven't heard you, that one. You like that, yeah? All right. So, uh, M, please, can you help Aram with the rest of her question, then go to Chase and Drake. Uh, I'll be back. All right. Thank you. Uh, welcome, Drake. Uh, Arum, uh can you please repeat your follow up question? Sorry, uh, my question was the comment made by Pope Francis this morning, uh, recognizing or iterating that NATO was somehow responsible for Russian invasion and how that's going to affect international support. Pope Francis said that NATO is partially responsible for the Russian invasion. Oh, I read in Politico that he mentioned that uh, NATO was barking at Russian door uh, and that's why... Can you please send me the link to that before I can answer your question? My DMs are open, so please send me a link to the article that you read and stay with us. I'll read it quickly and and get back to you with an answer. Okay, thanks. I'll move myself to the audience and share the link in the uh, direct message. No, it's okay. We don't need it in the nest. Uh, Chase, please go ahead. Um, perhaps I should also have like sent a link around before, but basically I got so excited today because uh, I read in ABC News, I think the story was posted yesterday, that the CIA was attempting to directly course, like sort of correspond with um, all Russians in that like they were setting up a secure means of communication where if you had a tour, you could like chat to the CIA in Russia about like things that you observed, uh, things you didn't like, yada, yada, yada. Um, is this kind of magic post box extant? It is. It is a post box, and people who understand the dark web and Tor and whatnot understand what it signifies. It doesn't mean anything to normal people in the West. It doesn't mean anything to normal people in Russia. But it's quite. It seems like quite a good. Um, it seems like quite a good thing. It is, and it isn't. To be quite honest, but it is. Will people who are not, I was thinking about what kind of job I would like to have. And I thought on the one hand, I would love to be the person at the CIA 
who got to monitor that incoming box because it must be one of the few jobs where there actually is meaningful information coming in and real people communicating with you. And then I was thinking about like how irritating it would be when sort of inevitably male actors tried to like fuck up the, uh, or fudge up the post box, you know, like tried to cram it with like a bunch of junk mail. Um, do you think, like, is the tactic, how is the Russian government going to react to it? Will truth get through? And also, can this ever become big enough that it's like big? Well, I'm sure they have a junk mail filter that's uh, to begin with. And uh, they have a Twitter account. So anything interesting that comes their way, they will share with us. And we usually don't comment on the activities of uh, the CIA. And with that answered, uh, Drake, go ahead. Uh, hello, y'all. Um, I'm Drake. I'm a motorman for the U.S. Army. And I heard uh, one of the questions I can't recall on who asked it, but it was about uh, like moving around after uh, firing, let's say, like a barrage of artillery or mortars, for that matter, to where I'd assume Russia would kind of have the same points as the uh, U.S. Army does. To where no matter what, after you fire, it's fucking grab your shit and then GTFO. Because you're able to track and see where those rounds come from. So if you want to stick around in the area where those rounds are coming from, then they're just going to know your position, then pinpoint it, and then you're done for yourself. So I'd assume that Russia kind of has some of the same tactics that the U.S. military does. Along the lines of, hey, fire and then leave so that you don't die. All right, thank you, Drake. Uh, in the meantime, we have a couple of uh, free uh, speaker slots. So if you have a question or if you would like to bring up a topic for discussion or make a comment, please feel free to send us a speaker request and we will be uh, glad to answer your questions and discuss your topics and listen to your comments to the extent of our knowledge and uh, courtesy, I guess. And now we have uh, Be Better. Uh, be better. You requested the mic. Please unmute yourself and go ahead. Be better. Please unmute yourself and go ahead. All right. Just learning. Please go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of get an idea for uh, where the the pocket around Isium and and uh, the kind of going uh, south uh, and and that is 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 it as bad as some of the the people say where it's you know imminent and they're all going to get rolled up uh, you know any day now or is it still pretty contested? Axel, would you like to take this one? Nope. Sorry, mate. I am dealing with a very poor dog at the moment. Yeah. 
Walter. Yeah, sure. But what was the question about? Once again, I lost the guess of it. I'm just saying that um, you know a lot of I don't know if they're pro Russian or neutral or you know or what, but they're they're saying that sort of south of of, of Isium and uh, uh, that kind of pocket there that, that the Russians are going to steamroll them any day now. Is that sort of just uh, overblown, or what's kind of the the opinion there? So we had the fighter, uh, Roman Ratusny, from a soldier from 93rd Mechanized Brigade this morning. Uh, it was seven hours ago. Uh, Ukrainian, quite a, he was quite a well-known individual in Ukraine. He was uh, at the center of anti-corruption activities and some NGOs were led by him, which countered uh, or fought against the illegal uh, construction projects in Kyiv specifically. And now he essentially joined the 93rd Brigade, 93rd Mechanized Brigade, Holodny Yar. And they are essentially, right now, they're deployed near Izum. So I suggest you re-listen to the space. It's quite an interesting part about his insights, about the situation around Izum. Long story short... Um, Ukrainians are holding the ground and actually in some cases even um, they're effectively counter-attacking and uh, uh, they have effective counter-offensives against Russians. Uh, the only problem that they have is um, the all right, tweet Mike. Can you mute yourself for a second? Yeah, thank you. The only the only significant problem that there is for Ukrainians around the Zoom is the overwhelming amount of Russian heavy artillery, specifically. And as Roman Ratushny described today, this current phase of war shifted from the urban settings, specifically in those areas, and to be honest, in the majority of the front lines, shifted from the urban setting into the field. And therefore, right now it's a fight being waged mostly by heavy artillery, high precision artillery and special forces, reconnaissance squads and these types of units. So in case of special forces and reconnaissance units, Russians have an upper hand, unfortunately, because they have better equipment better thermal vision scopes, better contraptions, specialized contraptions. Russian special forces are very well equipped, specifically with Western-made equipment. And same goes for Russian artillery, unfortunately, because um, they just have way, way bigger numbers of those. And they utilize this extensively. Specifically, they use their advantage in artillery. However, they still failed to to push through Ukrainian lines, and in some cases they were pushed back. Russians, I mean, were pushed back, specifically around the Zoom. And as Ratushny stated, in some cases they are being uh, overwhelmed, one to fifteen and one to seventeen, but they're well dig dug in. They can hold their positions. It's just just. Um, artillery and Russian artillery advantage is a problem problem for them.
So again, I just uh, urge you to re-listen to that part. It was recorded on this, yeah. this exact space seven hours ago. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to say, you guys, you know, I've been listening to you since the, you know, the beginning of the strategy and CNN, Fox News, they don't got anything on you guys. You're really on top of it and, and given a perspective that, that everyone appreciates. So I'm going to step off and, and thank you. Thank you, Just Learning. Uh, Imperius actually has an answer for you. Guardsman, please go ahead. Uh, yeah, I can I can provide a little bit of uh, context here. Um, so uh, the the gap that the Russians have to close to actually complete this encirclement is roughly a hundred kilometers. That's crow flight, not actually following the roads that they would actually have to drive down and then secure. Um, they've spent two or three weeks now, and they've only got gone maybe you know. 20 kilometers uh, from where they started off from. Uh, and Igor Gherkin, the guy who uh, basically masterminded the uh, separatist uprising uh, in the Donbass and the annexation of Crimea, has spent the last two weeks screaming on the Russian internet about how they can't mass the men or the material to make an actual push and they're bleeding out for the entire military is bleeding out uh, its manpower and resources for a few kilometers to, to no gain. So uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they are making little to no progress on this encirclement and the Ukrainians positions hold uh, when they need to, they fall back and, and counterattack. but otherwise, yeah, it's the position is stable more or less. So it kind of sounds like they're going to have to do a full mobilization of, of, of all of the, the Russian, you know, military men, if they want, if they want to close that up and that's, you well, know, that no, might be no, a, they, a bridge, the, bridge too far. They, they couldn't even do that. Like, you know, like e even if they mobilized everyone, they, they don't have the logistics to do that. Like they don't have the logistics to go 30 kilometers. Like they can't do that three times over. It's, it's, impractical uh like that it would collapse uh in a very short amount of time from what we're seeing all right thanks a lot guys all right thank you uh just learning uh thank you imperious coming up next uh Ferox. Ferex, please go ahead. Hi, yeah. Um, my question is actually for Drake. Uh, speaking on the, the counter mortar radar and artillery radar, um, just looking at the fact sheet from the security assistance from the U.S., uh, it seemed like there was only four of each of uh, mortar radar and artillery radar. Is that a low number? Is that something they should be prioritizing more? Um, I'm not sure the range on them or anything like that. Um, I mean, it all depends on like the operation that's going on. Cause like for me, like I'm in a mortar platoon. So like say if I was from the enemy standpoint, I would very much like to know where those mortars are firing because, uh, we are like our technical use is for like catastrophic damage that being for like the 120 millimeter system, like using HE or white phosphorus. 
but in like range, it can vary, vary from anywhere from the 60 millimeter, from the 82 millimeter, or the 120 millimeter cannon. But in my personal opinion, I think that we should up our radar against like mortar and artillery fire because the faster that those uh, areas can get immobilized or destroyed would be better for our ground troops because we are a mass casualty producing weapon. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Drake, for your answer. Thank you, Ferex, for your question. We have a couple of uh, empty speaker slots, so if you would like to ask uh, a question or bring up a topic for discussion, please send us uh, a speaker request. The Walter Report is uh, happy and honored to support Maria Aid. Maria Aid is a not-for-profit organization set up in Canada by former and current officers of the Canadian Armed Forces as well as civilian volunteers. And 100% of your uh, help goes towards purchasing equipment needed by the government of Ukraine, the Armed Forces of Ukraine, and the Ukrainian people. Mostly medical aid, non-lethal aid that goes towards helping the people of Ukraine fight off the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Off to you, Walter. Is it just me as a consultant? I'm here. Imperious, Axel, do you have any updates for us? I think they've read that article and they're silent like I am. Well, I sent it. That's why everybody was supposed to have it. No, I'm, I'm currently a little bit distracted. I apologize, people. The necessities of uh, being a dog owner is minding the dog when it's sick. So I apologize. I'll be back in five minutes. No worries, Axel. The dog parent is the more politically correct term. Not to pick on you, of course. Oh, God, I'm owned by the dog. We are our pets. Uh, we are their pets. Uh, Ricardo, please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Uh, good time zone to wherever you are. Um, since it's kind of quiet, I, I haven't been able to listen for a couple hours. Any, um, well, I did hear um, language last update, I think, which was, what, an hour ago. Um, I didn't hear anything on Transnistia. Is there anything new there or anything going on? Uh, haven't really heard of many updates there. Imperious, do you have anything on that front? More or less, nothing is happening over there, Ricardo, but Imperious. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much uh, right now, um, but to sort of add on to your point that not much is happening, is it's, yeah, the front is, is relatively stat has been relatively static um, for the most part. Like, the biggest movement we've seen was 
the Ukrainians uh, relieving the pressure uh, north of Kharkiv by uh, taking back significant uh, amounts of territory, uh, sort of parallel to the main highway leading south into Kharkiv from from Russia. Um, I'm I'm assuming uh, the Russians are sort of continuously trying to move uh, their forces into the Donbass, uh, since that is their main uh, strategic focus at this point. Uh, like, off, uh, especially off that northern axis. Yeah, the reason I ask is because uh, one or two people that I follow, which have not been that credible, I talk to language and DM about it. But in their feeds, they're just constantly, and I think it's there's a lot of, I don't know if it's propaganda, fake news, or just speculation, but in, in at least two people I follow, that's there's a lot of stuff coming out that just doesn't seem right. So I'm not retweeting anything, simply because I don't trust this, <laughs> what I'm what I'm reading. Thank you. You're welcome. So, does anyone have any questions? If so, come up and ask them. Exactly. So, uh, whoever has a question, please request the microphone. Or if you want to contribute, please press the microphone button, which is on the bottom left of your screen. Or, at the same time, not or, uh, share and retweet the space again. It's a blue button with a plus sign on the bottom right of your screen. So, please share and retweet and again share and retweet in any case and uh, if you have a question and want to contribute please request a microphone yeah I'll, i'm gonna look for a couple of things i wanted to ask and if not, i can't find them i'll drop down in a minute but thank you matt please go ahead hey guys um any word on the artillery the big gun artillery i saw that some some of it has arrived so has there any been any reports of it possibly being used or anything, pictures online or anything like that? Uh, we did actually have someone uh, come in earlier uh, who was who had con- local connections in Kharkiv who mentioned that they heard uh, Ukrainian artillery reports that they've never heard before, and it sounded a lot more powerful and the Russians were responding with a lot less fire after that. So there's that. Yeah, and we've heard uh, from the 93rd Brigade, apparently they don't have it yet. 
with uh, their artillery component. Uh, however, the soldiers, they stated that uh, the heavier M777 and HIMARS rocket artillery, they were delivered to, to the JFO area to Donbass and are being used in there. All right, good. The other thing I was wondering about is um, today I saw online a couple of videos of, uh, like, like, I guess they it said that they were TB2 drone attacks on command and control and, and ammunate an ammunition dump and you know um, maybe you guys saw the same one where they're listening to the radio and they're just casually clicking on this screen but um it seems like there's more tb2s is that true more more have were delivered or somebody know it's hard to tell apparently there was a uh, additional delivery uh, Ukraine entered the war with 24 TB2s. That was the number. 12 with the armed forces or air force and 12 with the Ukrainian Navy. Uh, 24 in total. And then there was an additional delivery from Turkey. How substantial was that? It's hard to assess. And yes, on top of that, there were losses, including blue and blue, and blue losses in the first days of war. Unfortunately, that also happened with TB2. And uh, yeah, that was the case. And regarding the previous question, it's also have, it's quite important and imperative to emphasize that it's still the numbers that of the artillery, of tube artillery that was delivered, the M777, uh, the 155 mil artillery, uh, they... It's good that it was delivered and very much appreciated. However, the numbers are not substantial comparing, uh, considering the scale of the war, scale of the front lines. Unfortunately, again, uh, for your general understanding, Ukraine has 30 mechanized brigades, not including artillery, specialized artillery brigades, not including sp- other units with artillery. Just 30 mechanized brigades. Each single one of these brigades, they have four subcomponents, four artillery subcomponents. And each of these four essentially consists of 20 uh, units more or less similar to one M777. Uh, in case of Ukrainian artillery components of the uh, mechanized brigade, it's uh, either 2S1, or 2S3, if I recall correctly, and also BM-21 rocket artillery. Um, Again, it's like four subunits, each consisting of 20 artillery systems. So one mechanized brigade uh, ideally has 80 artillery systems, and Ukraine has 30 mechanized uh, mechanized brigades. So you do the mass, 30 by 80. This is the amount of the artillery that ideally Ukraine or Ukraine, Ukraine's armed forces would have to have and uh, compare it to the number of M777s that was delivered. So yes, it's very good that they were, are being delivered, that they were delivered, but overall... It's not enough, unfortunately. And therefore, we keep getting these reports from the front line 
indicative of Ukrainians attempting to move around their artillery in order to utilize it only where it's uh, imperative to utilize it on the hottest sections on the front line. Ideally, there would be way bigger numbers of artillery that kind of that would enable uh, armed forces at different brigades to essentially have the artillery cover, which they don't have in many cases. Again, this uh, complicates the defenses and essentially significantly complicates the option for counteroffensive. Again, in the environment where Russian artillery is abundant and in very large numbers. Yeah, well, today, I, the one thing I noticed was that it seemed like the couple of videos that I saw, the artillery strikes were a lot more precise than what I'd seen previously. So that's why I thought to ask this question. Um, yeah. You guys still there? Yeah, still here. It seems kind of like a lull, so I can maybe ask another question. Um, and that is with the, uh, so so Ukraine's got plenty of TB2s. Does Russia have anything to that level of drone? So Ukraine has plenty of TB2s. I wouldn't call it plenty. It's just 24 with additional numbers. It's uh, not not plenty. But what was the rest of the question? Just curious what Russia has then. You know, I don't really hear about Russia. And I hear about like loads and loads of these kind of sighting, uh, you know, maybe for artillery drones that they fly out, the U something or others, um, you know, the kind of one that's got the, the Nikon camera in it. But I don't hear much about anything like a TB2 or these kind of drones that hunt you from the Russian side. Well, they have the Orlans. Yeah, the, the Orlans, yeah. So is that all Russians have? They don't have anything? I don't know. They have Orlans, they have Kamikaze drones, they have Zala, uh, they have smaller drones, military drones as well, reconnaissance drones. Okay. So yeah, unfortunately, the Russians have an upper hand in uh, military-grade drones, a significant upper hand, specifically in the number of their Orland drones. It's uh, significant. I believe it's a couple of hundreds, at least. Any word on those Swedish uh, artillery things? They, From what it looked like, they looked kind of more easier to operate maybe than the, than the American ones, a little more automatic? The Archer systems, yes. It's a um, self-propelled wheeled artillery system uh, with some advanced guidance system on top of it. Ukraine actually tried to pr procure a similar system to Archer. It's called uh, Dana, D-A-N-A, -A, Dana or Dana. Dana M2, like mother M2, from Czech Republic. 
and uh, it would be a significant boost to Ukrainian defenses. Unfortunately, it was essentially torpedoed and thwarted by the previous government and President Poroshenko. Again, eventually it transpired that he had some connections to Viktor Medvedchuk and uh, continued to operate some business activities with Medvedchuk, which was quite a, quite a shocker to Ukrainian public. And uh, yeah, some other MPs from previous president's party, political party, yes, specifically Alexander Honcharenko, Honcharenko from Odessa. He was the one who essentially thwarted and hindered Ukrainian defenses by blocking the procurement of Dana M2 systems from Czech Republic. And uh, this was a Strategically, it was a significant um, and a hit to Ukrainian defenses and a, a significant detraction from Ukrainian defenses. Yeah, looking at that, uh, I guess I wonder if part of the reason that Russia still holds sway over some of these countries is that they have these old nuclear power plants that were originally made by the Russians and they feel like they need to keep some ties for that reason. I don't know. Yes and no, I wouldn't, I would say that they have, um, they hold more significant sway via politicians and corrupt politicians. For example, as I gave you the example of previous President Poroshenko, because of his connections that implicated him in the essentially attempt to, to degrade Ukrainian defenses, uh, it all comes from Russia in one way or another. He had some businesses in Russia, he had uh, connections to pro-Russian politicians and Russian assets in Ukraine, and again, his activities on the one hand, he bolstered defenses in some way. On the other, it's uh, he should have been doing way more. And a lot of time was squandered. And a lot of decisions that were made were essentially um, degrading and detracting from Ukrainian defenses. So again, uh, Russia uses the more skillful way to do so. Again, via politicians, corrupt politicians and... Um, politicians who are affiliated in one way or another to Russia. Awesome. Back to you. Thank, thanks for the information, guys. All right. Thanks, Walter. <clears throat> um, I just wanted to add into that, though. Ukraine are starting to now get more drones provided from other countries. The UK today announced that they're providing providing a drone system. This drone system is all, can also be used as a heavy, heavy lifting drone. It's called the Maloy Aeronautics. Uh, they're getting the T-150, but let's um, keep an eye out because I have a slight suspicion that we might see the T-400 appear shortly after if not we might just see the t400 and it's been covered as a t150 but these have been trialed by the the uk the marines here in the uk so interesting stuff um 
Seems to be a little bit of activity again tonight over the Black Sea. Got a couple of drones interesting, up. Also, interesting stuff as an understatement. It's a fantastic piece of kit. This is Probably really not. edgy it's, stuff. It's, it's the first time... Uh, it's a... It's the first drone that that it's been it's British built, I'm pretty sure, and yeah, it it's the first of its type that the the Marines have used. So yeah, should it'll be good to see it in play. It looks, I've watched some videos of it. it; looks pretty cool. Do you want to share the videos here, Ernest? Yeah, I'll get them. I'll, I'll get them. I'll put them in a tweet. No, I'll put them out. Super, because it's very interesting. I think for those who are drone aficionados or really want to see some interesting current generation kit, that's exactly it. So we have, I have no idea who's, uh, what the order was. Carl, Crystal, Daryl, can somebody wave who was first? I Chris. just came back after trade. Carl, Crystal, Crystal. Okay, thank you, Carl. Crystal, please shoot. So I actually had two questions. One was actually about is there anything up in the Black Sea at the moment? And then the second question is actually regarding to like the space in general. Do you guys ever wonder if the Russians ever listen into this, into this space? Because you guys provide such great information. It feels like it's a giveaway to the Russians at times. Well, a yes, I'm sure uh, Moscow Center and its friends are there. Uh, apart from that, will they learn here anything their uh, signals intelligence uh, hasn't picked up? I doubt it. I mean, they're not that stupid. Not at all. On the contrary, they're typically reasonably well informed. And um, will our boys uh, find out that we've said something which is unkosher? Nah, it's not going to happen. Our boys are significantly better informed than anyone else pre-stated. So we'll try to be, you know, on our toes. And uh, the ladies and Bruce's here are reasonably well informed, but we're nowhere near the capacity to those services. No fear. Do you have a follow-up, Crystal, or are you done? Uh, other than what's going on in the Black Sea tonight, or what could... All right, so yeah, no, I apologize. <laughs> I, I, should, I should have started with that. Apologies, Crystal. Um, I was just uh, slightly poodled um, because our little dog, unfortunately, wasn't very well. Anyway, having said that, um, yeah, the Black Sea has seen uh, action uh, during the night, but significantly less so than in previous nights. So whilst we've seen a lot of, uh, shall we say, surveillance assets uh, overhead, um, there's a bit of a lull at the moment, which is not so bad. Actually, uh, so I can... I can... You go on and then yes. I can give a little update after if you like. No problems. Shoot, 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 shoot. I'm shoot. watching because it. Is, is, there, is there something finally happening one and a half hours before sunup? Well, I don't know. I, I, have, I have a slight in, in, inkling that there might be. The Romanian camcopter has just gone back up. That went up last night. Um, and you also there's also a RAF... So it's an RAF Airbus, but it can it can be used as a troop carrier and it can also be used as a tanker. And it's been used as a tanker, and it's holding it's holding its pattern right above um, Romania. Or... Romania, yeah, yeah, close close to the border. So it would instant well just off. Um, where are we at the moment? I think he's off Constantia, yeah, off Constantia. And 
that would indicate that there's fighter jets up there and he's ha- he's holding up there as a tanker. There's also another one on the way, uh, whether that's going to stop at Cyprus first or Greece and then go, but there's another one that's come from the UK to go there. So that would indicate that they have fighter jets up and they have to keep them up. So something's going on, but it's not quite sure what it is. Um, Usually we haven't really actually seen these tankers down here at night. We normally just see like a century. um, Rivet joints will come up in the morning. Something maybe that's just kept an eye on, on things. But the fact that there's actually a tanker down there indicates that there's, there's fighter jets up there. Um, I'm keeping an eye on it, but... Good, good. We should just highlight to everyone who's not, uh, say, from anywhere near the Air Force, that these tankers are NATO tankers, so they are not for aircraft of the Ukrainian Air Force. On the contrary, because the Ukrainian Air Force does not have any airframes which lend themselves to being fueled whilst in flight, because the MiG-29 can't do that. Yeah, that's correct. Also, um, on... Earlier on, there was a NATO drone, uh, an RQ-9, I think it was, which turned its transponder off once it came off the Black Sea. Um, I think 4010 is currently on its way to the Black Sea. So they've got their eye on something. What it is, I don't know. Some people have been well, twigged off by some firm's data that showed a fire, but that's actually just a, an oil rig that's been moved down and is flaring. So nothing's actually on fire there. And that's the thing, oil rigs do this on a regular basis, that's what happens. Now, what is more important for people, if you are into a flight tracking mode and the likes, trust us, there's many things you cannot track, especially those which matter. And predominantly those which matter, you won't see. If you are, however, living close to an airbase somewhere in, shall we say, Sardinia or the likes, you might end up seeing things going you know, off the airbase on a regular basis, or hearing them. And trust me, if you hear a whole squadron of uh, F-22s going up in the air, that's the moment where you should think, somebody's doing something. Until that time, relax, rest. Yeah, Axel, I used to live at the end of a flight path for the typhoons, so you could tell every time <laughs> you took off. <laughs> oh, gotta love them. You would sit watching the TV and it would tear through your chest. Like As soon as the afterburner kicked in, you you, you could feel it in your chest, in the house. It was crazy. You have no idea. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, which beats the sound of an RFOE. But there you go. All righty. With that happy note, um, Daryl, Carl, 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 you were first. You were supplied before. Can I say one, one more thing real fast, Axel? Then say it. Uh, I, my family, my dad used to be military for the U.S. Air Force, and so we used to live out by Langley. So every now and then, my, me and my brother, me and my brother would hear the F twenty twos or, yeah, the F twenty twos flying overhead of our house. So I, it was no near the experience that you guys got, but I can kind of generally get what you guys mean by that. And that's a fantastic sound to listen to. I mean, although it's a bit, you know. It's not rough enough, but still great. Okay, so my question actually is on the same topic about this talk for the last few days of a potential um, air-supported amphibious operation. Um, uh, The the talk was that 
there would have been a deadline based on weather, and so I presume the deadline was already gone by now. So I'm just curious whether you know whether uh, would preclude that from happening, or actually has it is it still open that it could be a possibility? Well, there was a window, yeah, and from the forecast, the original forecast, it was supposed to shut yesterday. Um, but the weather has seemed to have cleared and they have another window again this evening. Whether they try it or not, we don't know. They were spotted in Sevastopol earlier and then did leave Sevastopol. They did not stick around Sevastopol for a long time. So what that indicates, we're not sure. Um, but, I mean, play silly games, you get silly prizes. And at this minute, at this moment, I would not put anything past them. I mean, we discussed even them trying to go for Mikolaev and trying to land near there. I think it was Mikolaev, Axel. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then Denis Pruitt. You're still good. Yeah. um, So whether they try that one, we don't know. Um, They have that one. The weather wouldn't be as much in play as it would be if they were to go for a Desson, a Pastor Desson up in the Transnistria. But at this minute... I cannot put anything past them. There seems to be, well, there has been some, some crazy rumblings going out, going on, um, elsewhere. And this half, this evening, they seem to let off a, a, an incredible amount of cruise missiles from the Black Sea, which hit quite a lot of places, and um, which hit, I think, Lviv, Odessa, and a couple of other places. So they were in close enough. Um, I've also got a picture or a video of a frigate being loaded up with cruise mis- with cruise missiles again today. So they're obviously they've got something planned. They've got something planned. But what we what we know we don't know yet. Yeah, on that line, well, <clears throat> I don't know uh, what you guys think about this, but if they don't make any significant uh, inroads or gains by the May the ninth thing. Well, could it be possible they might try to do like a shotgun or missile attack on the actual day of that parade to kind of just show, hey, look at us, we're doing all these things and doing all this damage? Well, I mean, yeah, they, they could do, but they've pretty, they've, I would say pretty much every day tried to do some shocking or well, near enough lob a load of missiles and and create a load of havoc and damage but I get what you're saying maybe maybe an increased amount because it is the ninth I don't know I think they would maybe it's it's a lot it's a lot of uh, ammunition to waste just for it being the ninth you know you you would rather save that and use it for something more strategic rather than just a show of force but I, I get your point or right. he seems to have dropped down Carl uh, Daryl on you go yeah, this one's this one's for you actually. Um, do the uh, Brits have uh, anti-air radar? I mean, anti-radar type drones that maybe can uh, light up to uh, uh, say, say snip out uh, Russian radar systems, uh, like for because what I'm looking at is we don't hear very much out of the Ukrainian air force right now. And that's particularly due to the anti-air uh, weapon systems that the Russians have. But if uh, with the new artillery, 
and uh, say something to be able to sniff out those radars. Um, it could be possible to, uh, you know, gain some kind of little bit of superiority uh, by being able to take out those uh, systems. And I was just wondering, is there a system that, that the Ukrainians could have on deck that uh, to do that? You mean an artillery radar? Any radar. I mean, something that would light up uh, an anti-radar type drone. Something that would light them up. That would cause the radar system to light up for targeting. Oh, yeah. Like I get what you mean. Yeah. I'm not too sure. You know, I'm I'm not too sure if they have a drone that has that capability, Daryl. But I know that the Brit, I know the uh, the UK have just provided um, today was announced to provided long range anti artillery radars. So I'm imagining these are radars that, that oh wait that are able to pick out the artil the the Russian artillery. But what about the anti air radars? That's what that's what I'm particularly wondering about because if they could pick off the anti-air radars, then they could pick out they could pick up those missile systems and give their air force give the Ukrainian air force a uh, little bit of a you know little bit of a uh, uh, safety net when if they were to try to do some type of uh, air action. Yeah, I get what you mean. It it would maybe involve getting pretty close to it and risk getting taken out, though. Um, I get what you mean. Maybe, maybe, maybe when we've seen in the past few nights, forty forty run a bit north and then speed back at a, at a, at a quick rate coming back, uh, like he's been lit up. Maybe that he's doing that on purpose to try and light up their radar at the same time to see where they are. That that we that we will never know. That could be a that could be that could work. I, I imagine, um, but yeah, I think it will all depend on 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 what drone they're using and, or or what radar system. I know the P, I know the likes of the P eight and everything. I'm sure they'll be able to pick that up, but it's whether it's in range of of it um, and getting it close enough where the Russians can't strike it. Because at this rate, uh, and I say this, um, I, I mean it. I think if, if Russia got the opportunity to take a pot shot at a NATO plane or something, they'd do it because NATO they want to draw NATO into this because they would they can they can then turn around to to their people and say we've lost it or we've had to step back because we cannot go to a nuclear war with NATO. Whereas Putin can never turn around to the Russians and say I lost to Ukraine. Because that's never going to be, and it's never been his mission, and he thinks that's never going to happen. So he, his ultimate goal is to draw NATO into this, and it always has been since the start. And if he gets that opportunity at this rate, I, I honestly think he will do it. So let's not that, have him drag us in there. Yeah, but that was the reason why I was asking: was there a drone that could do it? Because. Um, if they could use a drone to draw out the radar systems, that would be a, you know, that would give the, uh, the, uh, Ukrainians a targeting, uh, a way to target them anyway. Okay. Uh, Daryl, let me uh, address your first question just briefly. Um, as to the anti-aircraft, 
I think the key in this regard is actually bringing the cheetah or what we call the Gepard in Germany, um, bring that on whilst the system as such as a platform is old it has been reasonably well updated and as it is a mobile anti-health system it is actually quite capable and works even at very very late notice it has a good sensor tracking system and if you're good at it and i don't doubt for a second that the ukrainians will get very good at it uh, and very quickly so uh, the Cheetah can be a significant improvement as to the um, battlefield defense the Ukrainians need. Alongside the Stormer as well, the, that's going to be great. I... Absolutely, and the Stormer, Stormer is very complementary to the Cheetah. It's actually the funny part that they have overlapping capacity on the one hand, but they also track completely different uh, parts. Uh, they cover completely different aspects of, uh, say, anti-air defense. And that's the good thing about having both of them in, uh, deployed in, in the field. Okay, appreciate it. Uh, Daryl, uh, when you said using the drones, you mean like fitting some kind of anti-radiation like package on there so it can actually detect the radar? Or do you mean using it using drones as decoys uh, to try to actually get them to target something uh, so they're sort of lit up? That's exactly what I was talking about, fitting a drone up with a uh, something that would send out a beacon and the, so that the, it would light up their radars, for tar- which would set, you know, let everybody know where they are. Not All necessarily right. to let them go with a drone. If you, wait there, if you, Nathan, you, you, you know about drones. On you go. If you know anything about this, uh, fill, fill the spot. Nathan, if you're able to unmute your mic. And I would think it would have to be like a high-speed drone so it could simulate a, uh, a, a vehicle, you know, an aircraft coming in. That's That would be the other part of it. Yeah, I mean, like, you could, you could kind of use, uh, like, just drones, you know, without any sort of extra kit on them as, as potential target decoys to try to trip uh, their Russian air defense network, but like you know, with given given the sort of resources on hand, it it personally seems kind of wasteful to sort of fly a, a seed mission that way with a drone. I mean, uh, if you go if you go look at that Snake Island footage, right? Uh, there we've got the Bayraktars doing suppression of enemy air defenses without. You know, like they didn't necessarily need to put anything on there. They were just they just like go look at it and say, "All right, there's there's where their AA positions are." You know, missile missile inbound. Um, uh, and when it comes to an actual like anti radiation uh, missile or package, um, well, I mean, uh, we'd we'd probably want someone who's a bit more. Uh, sort of well-versed on the signals uh, side of things uh, to go into more detail about this. But generally speaking, right, if if you're scanning uh, with a radar trying to, trying to pick out an aerial target, like you are broadcasting your location to everyone around because, you know, you got to, you got to ping your, uh, your uh, radar transmission off, off the object. So if they're actively searching for targets, 
Um, they're then, actively going to be caught. Yeah, like like if 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 you put if you put a sensor on a drone, like like that that wouldn't be too difficult actually. Like, but um, as far as I'm aware, all the sort of anti-radiation missiles that that we have lying around would be too big to actually fit on there. So the the sort of current tactic we we've seen of of trying to get good intel on where the actual AA sites are and then sort of surgically sending a drone in to to schwack them uh, seems to be like the cost-effective approach. But uh, Nathan's here now, so I think he'll chip in. Yeah, Nathan, on you go. Hey, sorry, I was offline for about two minutes there, so I hope this wasn't uh, answered already. But I was just going to mention... No, no, we won the war in the meantime, Nathan. (laughs) Oh, okay. Shoot, okay. Okay, I'll hang up then. Um, no, but uh, I was just going to mention regarding drawing our forces, um, in, uh, NATO forces, into the conflict. Um, uh, the RQ-4, as well as some of the other manned aircraft, um, have been well within S-300 and S-400 uh, range for, I mean, e- even now, um, Forte 10 and 12 that's been loitering out there for days. Um, those guys have been well within uh, range of those those. Uh, surface-to-air missiles, missiles that, uh, that Russia has. So I, I, I think if they wanted to, if they really wanted to draw us into the war and really um, cause havoc uh, and, you know, try to, try to escalate things, I think they've had plenty of opportunity. Um, you know, the RQ-4 is unmanned, so I, I was actually kind of surprised to see how close they were uh, uh, doing the racetrack patterns off the coast of Sebastopol because they're, you know, so easily shot down. They just, you know, they're, they're, they're at 55,000 feet and pretty slow. I'm sure they'd be easy, easy prey for those missiles. So anyway, I, I, I kind of, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an expert, but I, I have a feeling that Putin knows that drawing NATO into the war would be his, his end. So that's my two cents. Do, do you have anything about the drones on using them to, to pull out radars? If you're still there, Nathan. I'm sorry, say say again. Do you have any insight on using drones to identify radar? So Darrow asked. Um, no, no I, I don't, unfortunately. I'm a civilian pilot, not not military. So I'm uh, I'm uh, not no expert at all on that stuff. No problem at all. Cheers. Cheers. So thanks for that. So we'll go Jose and then Christopher. Um, uh, hi, actually, I think Christopher raised his hand first. You can go, Jose. I've been speaking plenty of times. Well, okay, thank you. Um, well, I was kind of wondering, uh, just um, because I've listened to this a few times, um, to this space, and uh, I know you guys usually worry most or talk mostly about uh, weapon systems and, uh, well, other things like that. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit more wondering not about the the how to do things, but the the what. So um, I'm I'm wondering here uh, if I would like to know your thoughts on on I mean what possibilities are there regarding the Kherson region? I mean as for the in the near to mid. Uh, term um, because 
that there is some news I read that uh, the Russia may be planning to hold a fake referendum uh, to declare uh, quote independence and maybe eventually even try to annex uh, the region 